Makes me want to scream Beetlejuice three times. Good choice, by the way, James. Hey, thanks, man. All right, guys, what's up? Moto X Pod Show brought to you by Broadway Power Sports, Tyler, Texas, MX Girl Designs, York Welding and Fab, Shock Socks, PMP Sprockets, All Sport Dynamics, and TPJ Racing. Guys, I'm Muscle Mark. Here in studio with me, I've got none other than Jamie Guida. Darkside, what's up, dude? Yo, what up? We're lighter guy this week. Yeah, well, as as we always say, it's <laughs> kind of that way every week anyway. Oh man, I, we might as well be light too, guys. The way I feel right now, but we're gonna, we're gonna soldier on through and get tired uh, of you feeling bad, get tired every week. Mm. You might have to quit your job just podcast only. i know i know yeah damn jobs getting in the way <laughs> go to the track you're tired come on the show you're tired <sighs> that's what happens when you start getting old jamie well i'm 40 something i don't even yeah, know yeah and you're tired too right now yeah but i'm ready to go man i'll do a five-hour show let's do it okay we're not doing that but hey <laughs> say hi james what's up man james is the uh the producer who's uh he actually he, he's a pro- producer with no name he just has a symbol well, we know, who the like other, we know who the other producer is now. Yeah, who's that? Darth Bitch Tits. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I didn't know that was coming. Sorry. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. But uh, anybody watch the GP this weekend? I did. Yep, I did. Yep, I enjoyed it. it um, good racing, you know. Those, man, the Euros are for real. I saw Hampshire handled that, though. Yeah, yeah. Whole shot from the outside in one moto. Yeah, he had a good uh, a little secret line over there in the grass that helped him out a lot. Uh, well, hey, I like secret but lines. He, he rode his butt off, man. It was it was good racing. I mean, those guys are for real. Mm. They're fast. I wish we, you know, I wish there was more races where both AMA and they could race the Euros, yeah, yeah, GPs would too. come together. I hope that happens one of these days, but you know, I don't know how that goes right now. Yeah, I think man. the logistics of that's pretty. Uh, damn near impossible to get all those guys over here or all our guys over there or whatever it's just expensive definitely but, but it makes it exciting i mean you know caroli and hurling's bad Dude. dudes tony caroli is a bad bad yeah. mofo yep. into his 30s and still handling it the way he is and of course hurling's it's the next guy coming that's that's going to be like that and yeah yeah i think he's going to be something i mean where well, he already is but yeah he, he may dominate for a few years i, I hope geyser can give him you know a run every year and you know well, geyser was the points leader until he got hurt this right, year so right. there's no reason for me to think he isn't going to come in come out swinging yeah. next year tony's still going to be doing his thing he got hurlings um desal if he's still racing um febra i mean this is gonna be a good series next year absolutely mx1 class you know i don't know really don't know a lot about some of the up-and-comers in the mx2 class i know there's some fast dudes in there yeah um i don't know a lot about them either i i watched it last year and i didn't really pay attention to it this year because there wasn't a good tv package for it from well i didn't have i don't have cable 
Mm. Uh, you know, but Kayla told DJ Girl mm. said that they have an app just like the AMA series. So I think next year I'm definitely yeah. going to spring for that. And the deal, little- the deal with MX2 over there is that they don't have like a standout guy right now. Like it was Hurlings before Hurlings, it yeah. was Roxon. And like, it just, there's just not one. Like when Kyro Lee was in that class, he was, you know what I mean? Like, right. I don't really just see one dude like standing out above the rest and is just ready to go handle MX1 right. in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind that though. It makes for, you know, for closer racing. I think the only negative on our side of the pond for that is that we don't know those guys very well. Mm-hmm. But I think if I watch it enough, I'll, fi- I'll, I'll figure it out and I'll find somebody I like and I'll pull for somebody. And that, you know, it'd, it'd be, it's just, it's motocross. I, yeah. I don't care. I'll watch it. Leonard Skinner over here in the corner. This idiot. Look at him. Shut up, man. Look at this huh. idiot. What happened to your two-smoker hat? Huh? What well, happened to the two-smoker hat? Well, I wore a different one this week. I've got like 12 hats, dude. I don't have to wear the same one every single week, do I? <laughs> Hillbilly James over here is wearing his Maverick glasses. It's a conspiracy gun. with him. He found out I'm buying another 450. What? What? <laughs> no more two-stroke? Well, I still have a two-stroke, James, but I also have a four-stroke, you know? You're but... going to become lazy. Well, I'm already lazy. Well, I know, but I, now dude, you're I'm really lazy. Lazy. I spend all my energy at work. Everything after that is yeah. just like half effort. He thought know? he wanted a two-stroke. Then he realized how much work it was. And he was like, yeah. uh, let's go back to the four-stroke. It's stroke. not so much that it's work. It's just I want to race next year. And I yeah. want to try to be competitive. Right. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. I mean, that class, everybody rides a 450. Everybody. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it does. It makes it easier. There's no doubt. Uh, it's a, lot, a little more forgiving when you're not as talented. <laughs> my hand's in the air right now <clears throat> my hand is for sure in the air yeah. i went out and to swan the other day and uh i'm sorry got my two stroke out hey, no, no swan's yeah, awesome uh-uh. it's it a good it's a good day and it hadn't been open in a while it's first day open back up so i got out two smoke was running like crap got back in i went out and did a moto on it got back and realized i had some spokes broken on my <laughs> rear somehow nice. i don't know how but it's all that weight it you're toting. <clears throat> huh? it happens yeah yeah so um anyways i jumped on another dude's uh 450 did a moto on it. Then I got in, rode my old 450 Mahonda. My buddy Jared had it out there. I did two eight-lap motos on it. Nice. And I was like, man, I got to get another 450. That's I've, like seven more laps than I've seen you ever do. I know. I've rode I know. <laughs> I just felt it, man. I got on it that day. I started feeling good. I was like, you know what? I'm going to moto today. It was a good day. So I was already loose from work. You know, I was already right. working all day. I was warmed up when I got there. Yeah. That's my problem with the track is I don't warm up. I don't stretch. I don't do nothing. And it doesn't always work. No, I, so I, I don't stretch very well either. I should, but I don't. <clears throat> well, we're getting older, Jamie. Yeah, oh, well, I definitely feel it, man. I've been noticing my back. I'm not even gonna start complaining. Uh, I'm dropping it. Never well, mind. it's not even a complaint when it's an actual <laughs> fact. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? I don't want to talk about uh, how old I am. But uh, we've it's got embarrassing. A, uh, no, no, we got a good show tonight, guys. We're gonna have the voice of Pro, Pro Motocross uh, on Jason Wygant. Then we're gonna have Big E from Yoshimura, the marketing and communications manager, and. Chit chat with him a little bit about all things Yoshimira. And then our locals only segment, we're going to be joined by uh, host of Big MX Radio, Mr. Brad Gebhardt. Uh, Big MX Radio. Had, yeah. had me and uh, Mr. Darkside on a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, he was kind enough to, to uh, have us on a show. And... I don't know why he wants to talk to us, but I might know why he wants to talk to you, but you're a somebody. I'm 100% a nobody. That's, you know, like... that's not true, man. Our show, <laughs> you know, our show's growing and it, it's getting a lot of people mm. like it, man. So. I hope they like it. Yeah. We need to keep doing it, you know? You know, and, you know, uh, Daniel Blair announced that he's not going to do some main event shows for a little while. So, he's, really? gonna, he's just during the off season, he's going to focus on some other things. And well, he's got a lot going family. on. Family, he's got a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, that kind of gives us maybe an opportunity to kind of push through the market a little bit. Maybe sure. get some people some stuff to listen to when Pulp is taking a break here and there. And 
Yeah, we'll still so, try to we'll still try to be here every week with something or another yeah, to communicate definitely. with you guys about. But hey, speaking of keeping going, like guys, MX Girl Designs makes an awesome Cha Cha makes an amazing set of graphics at a good price. If you're gonna buy graphics for your bike, buy them from her, please. And please, if you do, tell them we sent you. We got to know what's going on over there. Yeah, yeah. She just I just applied my graphics that she made uh, they look Friday night. Sick. So guys, check out my uh, social media and. I think they look good, you know. Definitely. I mean, I did. I typically go really dark colors. I like black and silver and red. And she, uh, she showed me a template that had a lot of white in it, and I was like, all right, let's try it. Something different. It looks a little odd for when yeah. I usually run, but it looks awesome. It's got all my just great graphics. She's, hell she's yeah. killer. And she, uh, she made a banner for me for All Sports Dynamics, oh, hell so yeah. that I can hang that sucker up at the races. And man, she, she's great. Well, I'll tell you what. I've got the uh, now that I'm gonna have a. Um... A four fifty. I'm gonna have to get get the uh, old RMZ decked out in some MX Girl design graphics. Yeah, do so it. That'll be cool. And uh, I mean, I guess she'll do graphics for a Suzuki. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't understand the question. Or, that wasn't a question. I don't understand the debate. Well, it's <laughs> kind of it, it, it like have you asked her to do graphics for a TM or something? She's like, oh, what? I mean, Suzuki's have won more outdoor <laughs> titles than any of them. I know. I'm just teasing. You know, I'm just saying. But uh, no, nah, dude, it found me a, a super. Awesome Craigslist score, dude. 2012 RMZ 450. The year they still had Spring Forks, the year before they went to that brittle-ass chassis. It's the perfect year to have. Bike's got 20-something hours on it. I went and looked at it. It still looks brand new. It's got fresh tires on it. Suspension's been done. It's Yeah, it looked good in the pictures. It, it sprung for almost my weight. Okay. It's a little under, but it'll have to work. Yeah, know? yeah. I don't have a suspension sponsor right now, so that's going to have to go. No, but, uh, no. I mean... You know, when I got my 06, I just went automatically put in a heavier set of springs mm-hmm. and then just, you know, went with that. And yeah. I just automatically went up a little bit. And yeah, Again, don't... as I say every week, I'm pretty slow, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. But, uh, again, if you need something welded, call Carl York at York Welding and Fab. Please call him. If you want to buy a new bike, I'm broke, so I'm buying a used <laughs> bike. But I did buy a Suzuki. Yeah. They happen to sell Suzukis at Broadway Power Sports, so... I more or less stayed on the train because I'll buy all my parts there, you know, things like that, and uh, get you. A, I'm gonna get me a set of shock socks for the forks. What, dude? You look like <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. He looks like right now. Look like you get ready to go fly in a well, fucking what's, airplane. Ma- right that's what I said. He's got his Maverick glasses. Well, you on. call me Top Obi gun. all the time. Top Gun, man. Which one does he? He looks like Slider in Top uh, Gun. Oh uh, yeah. Oh no. Uh, Wolfman. Yeah, Wolfman. <laughs> I think that's it. Or Iceman. No, Iceman. Hey, hey. Iceman. Yeah. Slider. Yeah. You stink. What does that do? But hey, yeah. PMP sprockets. I'm gonna get them to dial me in with some awesome aluminum sprockets for that dude. And uh, you know, I might even throw some TPJ Racing graphics on it. We'll see. There you I'll go. Get get them that deal. All Sport Dynamics has already got me hooked up with braces. They'll get you hooked up with braces. We're gonna give a set away. Keep sending us goon riding pics. Yep, We've been yep. getting them in email. We we'll do that for I, two more weeks. Two more weeks of goon picks, guys. Don't just send us regular picks of you riding. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're a goon and you'll pass for a goon, that's cool. I've gotten right, right. a few where you're like, man, that's just a regular riding pick. What do you want me to do with that? <laughs> but uh, send us some good goon riding picks. Yeah. And uh, James, any picks and, to your collection might work if you were eligible, yeah. but you're not eligible. Oh, I've got some and good just ones. Yeah. Tag the show. Tag the show. And hashtag all sport dynamics. Hashtag all sport dynamics, guys. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to get to our first guest. He is the voice of Pro Motocross and the head man to blame at RacerX Online, Mr. Jason Wygant. Weege, what's up, dude? Yep, 
it's all on me, especially if you want to blame people for things. I'm sure we did something wrong in this last um, 14-day tsunami of America versus the world. <laughs> oh, that was your fault, totally. I heard it on well, yeah, uh, I mean, Vital. Right. I mean, there's literally no way. We're either giving too much credit, not enough credit, should have given more credit, shouldn't be surprised, should be surprised. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, we, we blame you when, we don't, when things go wrong, and we praise Mathis when things go right. Uh, he's got some haters. I don't know if you've noticed, but he does his. He has his fair share. Oh, no doubt. You can't ever make everybody happy, unfortunately. Well, um, under normal circumstances, you can't get most uh, or everyone for sure. But this particular, you know, thing of mud, which you just step into, you can't. You, you're, there's no good way. It's like you just get to this part of the trail, and it's just covered in water and mud, and you're like. There's no way out. Anything we say or do, a lot of people are going to get mad. So I'd say, yes, you usually can't make most people happy, but in these conditions, we can barely make anybody happy. Right. <laughs> man, I'm, yeah. I'm one of those Moto fans that I just I like good racing, man, and watching what Hurlings has done was amazing. I'm just stoked about the sport in general, yeah. so it's hard, to, it's hard to really get me amped up about too much. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's probably the way it could be or should be, but I'll be honest, and you guys need to be too. When you're watching motocross stations every year, it's pretty darn exciting. Oh, like, heck yeah, man. At some man. point, it gets you. At some point, it does get you. So I, I understand where these people are coming from. But, dude, we're just crossing the crossfire. Like, we're doing our best to not piss anybody off. But it's virtually impossible. I'll give you the example. If we say Hurling's rode really well at Ironman, right. then people say, well, why is that a big deal? What, are you surprised? Did you not think he was going to do well? Are you shocked? <laughs> How disrespectful for you to be impressed. You should have just thought, oh, this is normal, he's this good. But if we don't say we were impressed, then obviously we're downplaying his accomplishment and then we're haters also. So there's no way to win. Right. right. And if right. you say yeah. and if you just really, really praise him really highly, then you're on his nuts. Oh yeah, then you're on his nuts as well. But I'm gonna <laughs> say like when donations rolls around and everybody gets pumped up, I understand where this passion is uh, coming from. I'm just doing my best to not I mean our job is to re- Hey, what's the phrase? We report, you decide. That's all we're trying to do. Right. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the facts are the fact. When you watch the race, th- those are the facts. You know, I mean, Iron Man, Hurling's just the better man. It just is what it is. And there's, there's... Yeah, dude. That's aggressive. Yeah. Speak, speaking, <laughs> right. of, uh, speaking of motocross, 12 rounds of Lucas Ole AMA Pro Motocross is in the books, man. What did you think about this summer? I'd say this year combined with Supercross, it, it was, if it's not – if you really think about all the ups and downs we had in both series, from January through basically September, it might have been the best season we've had in either a long time or maybe ever. When I you agree. piece it all together and you think of the dramas that we had, it yeah. was pretty awesome. No doubt. No doubt. It, uh, this is definitely my favorite season ever. I mean, it was, you know, there was no just guy walking away every race, which gets, you know, people quote-unquote say is boring. I mean, yep. it, it was good racing almost all the way through. And, you know, you have sometimes you have people saying, oh, well, you couldn't pass here. You couldn't pass there. I don't know. I, th- I felt like it was really great racing overall. It was the best you could hope for out of a season. Absolutely. We very rarely, it's probably one every five years, that you get a Supercross title that comes down to the wire. And out of all of those that came down to the wire, this is the best in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even for every five years, I'm just talking the math to so coming down to the wire. But, I mean, we really had, between the last three races, Domac basically coming from last to first to get the points lead, then blowing it in New Jersey, and then Marvin pulling over for Dungey, 
and then the bunch-up strategy in Vegas. Those three races, like, oh, my God, how much drama, how much heat. And then as a little appetizer for that, you had Osborne and Sabachi. I mean, it doesn't really get uh, any better than that. I hate to tell everybody, it's probably not going to be this good in 2018. We're, probably we're not. only due for it every couple of years. Sorry. Right. right. Would you say this this year was a, was a case of most of the time the best guy always wins? And it's no disrespect to, to Ryan Dungeby. Would you say this year Supercross maybe it was the best guy didn't actually win? Well, I mean, if you just want to, we can protect ourselves by using some math here. I mean, if you want to do averages, you can honestly probably say at a 17 races that Tomac was better in what 14 of them, 13 of them, for right. sure. Uh, you know, so you you can lay it out that way. Um, but whatever, you can't go out and get um, five, five, eight, or whatever Tomac did in the first three rounds. Um, People were very much up in arms when they heard that a playoff-type format could be coming for Supercross. People, you know, most fans, they don't agree on much. But I, like 99.9% of the people I spoke to have always said, fans, industry people, whatever, they're like, nope, every race should count. But that's what you want. That's what you're going to get. I mean, yeah, exactly. don't you put 30 points on them in the first three rounds and then basically tell them I had to be perfect from there on out, which is very hard to be perfect. 14 straight races and he almost did it he dang but he had did, one more yeah. bad one and uh, that's it dude so yeah I guess you're right on average Tomac was the better guy but that's not the, the players know the rules before the championship begins and yeah. I think Tomac knew as well as anyone oh crap don't you ever <laughs> get worse than third how the hell am I going to make up these points and it was darn near impossible to do it yeah, well, he almost did it. But, you know, I, yep. I, I don't mind the idea of a chase or something different. We you need know, it. Throwing, what, throwing your worst race out or whatever. Something – because, yes, for the racers, I get that every race should count. you got to be there all the way through. But as fans, which without the fans, there's no sport, yep. we want close racing. We this was Everybody was so excited this year about how everything turned out. The only way to really maybe have make sure that happens is to try to manufacture it possibly. With yeah, I'm with you. I'm not really against it uh, at all, but I'm just telling you, like, anytime I floated this idea out there thinking people would get excited and say that you just said, I usually don't get that response. But otherwise, it takes a miracle situation um, where, kind of like you said, you have to somehow have the faster guy, the better guy, be in some magical huge points hole right off the bat. And, I mean, whatever the hell Tomac changed between round three and round four, to flip from a totally different human to a fifth-place guy to a first-place guy. You're just not going to get that scenario maybe ever again. It was so bizarre. So sure, that gave yeah. us the perfect situation. But, I mean, normally, the guy who's good is good right off the rip. Right, uh, yeah. So I don't think we're going to get it again. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I, I have no problems with it. And here's my proof always. If you do not like it, I challenge you. Let's say they did it. Let's say they reset points at, say, round 13. I challenge you to go to round 13 with dudes tied for the points lead and say, yeah, this is boring. I don't exactly. like it. Exactly. Yeah, it definitely brings the hype. I mean, you know, there was races, especially when Eli was coming from the back, where I was sitting, literally sitting on the edge of my seat, almost shaking, going, oh, my, oh my God, is he yeah. going to get there? Is he going to yeah. get, you know, I mean, I, yeah. where other yeah. times I might yeah. be, in years past, I might be leaning back, looking at Twitter, going, oh, okay, yeah, looking up the TV for a second. I, yeah, th- yeah, this year I was all in. The last time we had a close series where it was really good racing was 2011. So how many yeah. years is that? Like, we need that every year, not just once every yeah. six years, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. So uh, I'm not going to argue that it's the most fair way. It is definitely not the most fair <laughs> right, way. There's right, right. Nothing, 
there's nothing more fair than saying every race counts the same. I get that. But in the end, dude, it's dirt bike racing. Uh, if you want to cure cancer, let's do it the most fair and <laughs> yeah, right. mathematical, analytical way of doing it. But it's just fun. It's just fun. Right. That's all. So we, yeah. you got you got your start back in the mid '80s, I believe, right? Well, you first. I was I went back and I was listening to the uh, one of the first pods that Mathis did with you, and you talked about going to English Town, yeah. just flagging. Yep. You were just a a fan of riding, you know, motocross. You went to the track, checked it out, and then you know, how did you get from there to you know whether it be announcing a, a local race? Did you do any a local announcing? I think you did at English Town, right? No, no. What's okay. funny is that uh, the English Town flagging thing and and my route at English Town it did not turn into a jumping off point at all. It did not lead me uh, anywhere. It it almost was just coincidence uh, okay. more than anything. I thought it was. I thought like, hey, <laughs> here's a local track and they have a job opening, which was for a flagger. But I was like, well, that's a start. Um, but I was doing that while I was in college, so I was kind of simultaneously flagging on weekends, but I was also you know working on a degree and a career. So I, I got a degree in PR and. RaceRex was really just starting at the time. Like, I, uh, the magazine started in 98, and I graduated in 2000, so they didn't even really have a website. So they had a need for some help, though. I just started, our professors were like, you got to get published, man. You got to get your name out there somehow. So send letters to the editor, send people essays, send people writing samples. So they took it. You know, they were looking for free website content. So I just drove to every Supercross national I could from New Jersey, which is not close to many. But, (laughs) hey, it's closer than where you guys are. Yeah, right. Right. yeah, no doubt. No, yeah, we don't have sure. any now. Yeah. yeah, so I could hit whatever. I could hit Indy and Atlanta, and then there's a lot of nationals up in the Northeast. So that's kind of what I did. And uh, it was really funny because I graduated, and then I actually faked uh, a year of grad school, which wasn't really to get a graduate degree. It was just to continue going to races and sending stuff to Racer X for a year without having to get a real job, hoping <laughs> to pay off. Because, yeah. uh, you know, if you... When you start your first job, you know you're going to be working 100 hours a week, and you're going to be just uh, uh, somebody's slave, basically. Yep. So I knew if I entered that, I wasn't going to be able to go to races and do free work on the side. So I was like, I'll hedge my bets. I'll go to college for one more year just to network. And then one day, uh, I mean, I was talking to Davies for probably 18 months, almost two years maybe, and then one day they said, come on out. So I literally, the next weekend, had to go to English Town and say, yeah, I won't be here next weekend. They're like, why? And I'm like, I'm uh, moving to Morgantown to work for uh, Davy Coons. And I'm sure they were like, yeah, right. The flagger. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. He's going to work for Ace I'm sure. And that was it. I moved to Morgantown. And I've actually never, for whatever reason, I've never been back in Englishtown since because there's almost always, well, I mean, I travel enough and I don't really have time to go to any more races, so I haven't ever gone back. Right. <laughs> but that's how the yeah. legend began. Yeah. It's my favorite place. Still great memories there. Yeah. Um, but just the way it goes sometimes. It'd be fair to say you're you're carrying a much bigger flag now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love all those guys. And what's really funny is that I was with the flagger, so I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of the riders personally. I didn't have any friends. It was like I just stood there. Right. So I've had to slowly build these relationships. The guy who actually runs that track now uh, comes on the red lens. And like three years ago is the first time I ever met him. He's, he's been announced for the track forever. And it was so weird that I think I started flagging there in 1997, and it took 18 years for me to actually meet the guy. Oh wow! wow. That wow. runs the track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so is it yep. safe to say if you had been flagging at Lakewood that you would not have had the had the flag taken away for from you when Plessinger went down? You would have known where to stand. Look, man, it, it's scary. I, I've I've been in that situation, and uh, uh, 
I can tell you the other side of it, the dark side, if you will, where uh, like, you know, there's some 85 stuck on a hill and right. uh, you're trying to get off track while waving a flag. And I remember I just completely, I was just dragging the bike and trying to protect the rider and do five things at once. And I burned the crap out of my leg on the pipe. Oh, and yeah. You're just like, you're not trying to do it the right way. You're just trying to get it off track. Um, so bikes are coming by and I'm trying to wave a flag and protect the rider and get a bike with two hands. And at one point I'm burning myself and it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I, I understand how chaotic it can be. And I sure. believe, don't quote me on this, but I think they basically tell the flaggers, don't go on the track. Do not ever stand on the track. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, I think all that dude was doing is what he was told to do. Um, because I, I think from a training standpoint, how do you instill the correct judgment of, don't go on the track most of the time, but under right. certain circumstances, if you can do it safely. Like, I don't know what else you can do. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. there's not, unless those... I would think that if the flaggers have racing experience, amateur, they would probably have a better idea, because I would like to think that I would know how to protect the guy, yeah. but... Like Nick Wade style? It, yes, well, I was say, exactly. Yeah, you saw what the racer did. Right, that's know? true. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's weird. I don't know. I actually... I don't know all the flagger stories, but I know everyone assumes that they're just some local yokel that came over the fence for a hot dog. <laughs> but I can tell you this, and next time you guys go to a race, you can literally ask some of the guys, ask some of the flaggers. A great majority of the flaggers, believe it or not, are just local vet motocross dudes who once a year, this is their cool thing, they get to be on the track. Right. And, count, and in, including in Texas, I, I know in Dallas for sure, there's like three or four guys that are there every year, they race every weekend, and one of the highlights is their year is when they get to stand in the triple and be flaggers. There's, the great majority of flaggers are those guys, but apparently not all of them. Yeah, you're probably right. It, I mean, in, there's, it's always easy to second-guess somebody when you're not in that position. So. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm not saying every flagger is that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Understand. There's more of them than you would think. Well, yeah. fl- flagging not the most high, not the highest-paying job at the track. <laughs> you know? No. I mean, no, no. It only works when you're in college and. I think I got paid 50, uh, 40 bucks a day, and I was like, I'm rich, biatch. I bet yeah, you made not. that 40 bucks last two weeks, Weege. Dude, you know it. Like, <laughs> you know how I am now. Just imagine when I had zero salary coming. <laughs> like, yeah, that was ramen for days. Ramen for yeah, days. Right. I was going to say, you can buy a lot of ramen for three bucks. Ramen, you know? scrambled eggs. So, yeah, yeah, for $40? <laughs> yeah. So that that actually kind of leads to one of my questions. If, if, the, if you had... There was one. Is there one thing that you would be willing to spend a lot of money on? One hobby thing, one toy, whatever. Is there anything that you'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to spend as much as it takes for this thing? Yeah, well, I have a horrible, um, I don't know what it is. It's a horrible dichotomy or whatever the word is, like a Jekyll and Hyde type thing, where I am a gearhead. That's, that's partially why I like this sport. So, you know, I like dirt bikes and I like cars. I like Jeeps, I like trucks, I like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Which anyone will tell you, these are the worst investments you can make, right? <laughs> right. Like, these are depreciating assets. Sure. And you'd be actually better off being someone who is a house connoisseur. <laughs> That'd right. be harder. It'd be more money, but it could potentially be an investment. So, yeah, I, I'm a car guy now. I'm a practical car guy. I don't want to buy Ferraris or Pets or anything like that. But it's very difficult when you know you're like, oh, man, for 20 grand, I can get this thing used. It's four years old. This would be awesome. <laughs> But that's a lot of money, man. So I literally fight the good fight every day. I actually almost feel like uh, I almost feel what an addict trying to quit. Like, like, don't do it. Don't. 
<laughs> well, our normal producer, TJ, who is actually out in the oil field right now. He's your greatest admirer. First of all, he's a major, major fan, so he was really upset when I told him you were coming on tonight because he isn't here. But yeah. he is cheap like you. And in our yeah. group text, me, TJ, and Mark, like we'll go eat at In-N-Out Burger or, or wherever, like Five Guys Burger, which is like $9 for a hamburger. And he just – he can't – He doesn't understand that. Yeah, he can't wrap his brain around. So we argue about it all the time. And so – we kind of have an idea of how I guess you probably are because it's I can't understand why he's that way. I'm mean, I'm willing to spend whatever it takes to eat something that tastes good to me. Here, here, here's here's all you got to do when you're unsure if you should spend the money or not. It's a simple you just do a little math where you're like, okay, this is nine dollars for this burger. Now what if I did that once a week? Ah, well, uh, no big deal. All you got to do is do nine times fifty-two, fifty-two <laughs> weeks in a year. You suddenly realize how much money that actually is and what you could buy for that. And you're like, hmm, if that was in the bank, I would really see it. Like, that would be a notable difference. Sure. And that's why I can talk myself out of virtually any person. I think I just, craw- <laughs> I think I just crossed over to the dark side. No. Because I've never yeah. thought about it that way, <laughs> and now care. I will from now well, on. that's what TJ that's was trying man. to – TJ was literally just saying that. I think yesterday, he's like, that's why I, I, you guys always complain about being – or people complain about being 468 bucks broke. is a new pair of fucking riding boots, dude. Eh. That's how much that came out to. Man, In-N-Out Burger is so much better than Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is good. Like I, I do. I, again, like I'm just like the cars thing. Like I know what's good, but I've just figured out ways to make sure I don't actually have it. I understand. I understand. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, Weech, For those of our listeners who don't know, what other series, sports, things of that nature do you announce as well, other than just uh, Lucas Oil uh, Motocross? Yeah. So uh, the announcing thing started. I had my degree in public relations and. I thought I was going to work for Racer X as a writer, but they actually needed more help with the other series they run, which is actually one of the main things that the company does is that the GNCC is the Grand National Cross Country Series. So I was like, okay, I'm reporting for duty. And they're like, okay, you're going to the quad race in the woods next weekend. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yep, you got to get the local newspapers and the local radio stations and TV stations to talk about this race and come to the race. And I'm like, what? So I was in the trenches for like two years in that series. By 2001, 2002, by 2003, I was probably the most knowledgeable person about this type of racing in the world. Because that was it. I was, I was like, okay, that's my assignment. Right. Um, so the series got on TV. Well, first, there were long days at the races, as it would be at any, you know, most races. It's, you know, sun up to sundown. So the announcer there, this guy, Rodney Tomlin, needed someone to help. He's like, hey, you know what the gossip, what's going on? So I talked for 10 minutes, and then next thing you know, it was a half hour. And next thing I you know, he gives me the mic. And he's like, why don't you just take it for an hour, kill some time. And then they got TV coverage, uh, and again, none of the TV people knew anything about it. So they were just emailing me constantly, like for notes on these, mostly the quad guys. No one knows about quad guys in the woods. They're like, "What's this guy's deal? What's this guy's deal? What's this guy's deal?" I finally said, "Can I just come down here to do it? That'd be easier than us teaching another announcer." And I'm like, "Okay." So they flew me down to Atlanta. They did the TV shows down there at the time, and they just said, "All right, it's a 23 minute show. You know, just go." Do try it. Right. I tried it. I get the I get to minute nineteen, and I'm like sweating, nervous because I'm like, oh my god, man, I'm nineteen minutes in. Don't screw up now. We're not going to go back to the beginning now. We're just four more minutes. I got to get through it. So I get through the whole show, and they all come out and they're like, "You've never done this before." I'm like, "No." They're like, "Oh my god, you just did a whole show in one take." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude." I was so nervous about nineteen minutes in that we were going to have to stop and go back to the beginning. They're like, "Dude." We don't go back to the beginning. We just cut it and go back in. <laughs> like, 
are you serious? They're like, yeah, we could have stopped at any time. They're like, <laughs> you got this gig for life. So That's awesome. I actually have. So uh, 14 seasons, 14 years, 15 seasons later, still doing the TV. So that's on NBCSN. We have quads one week. We have bikes one week. It's 26 yeah. shows a year. Uh, so that's that's always actually been my first gig, my first thing. And I, I think I got a lifetime contract for that. Uh, this year I picked up the AMA Dirt Track Series or Flat Track, whichever you want to call it. Right. They bought, it, they bought a big TV package and they bought it on NBCSN. I kind of become NBC's motorcycle guy. So... They gave me that gig as well, because um, it kind of works. Since I'm doing these CNCCs and the motocross, why not do this? Um, but my big move was I actually moved to Charlotte a few years ago, Charlotte, North Carolina, just because I'm like, if I want to do more motorsports broadcasting, you kind of got to be in the NASCAR world. That's a right. hub of uh, in America motorsports. So that's worked out too. Um, occasionally, NBC needs someone to fill a spot locally. You know, go to a NASCAR shop, interview a driver, uh, and they know I'm here. So. Occasionally some NASCAR stuff too, but the main things I'd say are GNCC and uh, the flat track and, and motocross. Those are my main gigs, and there's a ton of weirdo stuff on the side. <laughs> well, I, I hope that you never leave motocross because yeah, please don't. You and uh, GL are my favorite combo as of probably ever. Really, I love GL and how you guys work off each other, and you kind of lighthearted about it, you know, and the the secret word or whatever, all that stuff. I think makes it really yeah. fun. Um, yeah. One thing, you know, at, until I started listening to Pulp and really kind of getting the backstory on on everybody, riders, industry guys, I'd get kind of frustrated sometimes while listening to a broadcast with, say, you or Ralph, because you guys would kind of there would be a topic. Whether I don't know how to describe what I'm trying to say, really, I'm kind of getting tongue tied, but there would be something I know you know the answer to, but you would sort of almost act like you don't. I guess to throw it to the other guy. Oh, yeah. And that yeah. would kind of drive me crazy. But I understand it a little bit more now. But but other than that, man, I, I, I love you guys. I think you and, like I said, GL. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of Emig. Um, I mean, I think he's gotten better. But, yeah, you and GL well, are the – Not are everybody the can do what GL does. And I don't think anybody was – I was more of a fan of Emig before GL came. And now that I've heard the other side, he's more my type yeah. of personality. I'm like, wow, that's cool, you yeah. know. Yeah, I always say between the two of them, because I work with both. I work with Emmick for several years mm-hmm. on outdoors. Uh, one guy is wearing a suit, and the other guy is just wearing a T-shirt and jeans. Like, yeah. GL do not care. GL don't care. No he doubt. going to be GL, and there's nothing we can say or do that's going to change it. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Emmick, I think, does a much better job of trying to be polished and corporate, and there's certainly a, a place in that as well. It really just depends on your your tastes. Um, but let's put it this way. Emmick, we all know in the 90s, Emmick... He had as much fun as anybody. He was, oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was just like GL in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, but you don't. You know, that doesn't come across on TV. Like I think he's been like, this is my job. I'm a professional. You know, I'm not here to tell stories um, about that. But Langston, it's never far away. He, he <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think that's more entertaining. Here, so. And you're right. You guys probably noticed the difference in me on this show here, or on these podcasts, or wherever. You know, I'm much more opinionated and much more in depth away from TV. It's just the convention of you have a multi-time champion sitting next to you, let him explain it. Do not right. do it yourself. You're, you're crossing the streams at that point, so that's the way it has to be. Absolutely. Well, before yeah. we let you go, Weege, my last question is what was your favorite match, wrestling match of all time? Oh, easy, man. So, I was an Ultimate Warrior guy. Okay. So, oh yeah, Skydome, April 1st, 1990. 
WrestleMania 6, his Ultimate Warrior shining moment, and maybe not just the greatest moment for him, but maybe for steroids in general. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you guys know, I'm, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Like, oh, yeah. Looking back on it now, I'm like, all he was was steroids. Yeah. Like, he was just like every steroid stereotype <laughs> yeah. that could have ever existed. Kind of looked like Lex Luger. One. Yeah, 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 Lex Luger. But Warrior, remember, was basically Roy raging. Right, right. Time. He wasn't just Bill. Yeah. He was also Roy raging. That's funny. Um, so for me, that was big. And then we actually, you know, go there a couple times. You know, once a year for Supercross. So yeah, I've always paid homage well, when I go to the uh, Sky Dome, now the Rogers Center. Right. So that's uh, me. Yep. I grew up a uh, Road Warriors fan, and and Sting was my my singles favorite. You know, back in the yeah, in early like the UWF days or whatever when he was uh, back with like Eddie Gilbert, I think way back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's funny back then because we lived in different parts of the country. Yep. And back then, wrestling was very regionalized. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's one of those things where you, if you explain that to people now, they'd be like, huh? Like, yeah. Everybody well, wasn't in the same guy. Like, nope, it actually depended on where you lived. And the other guys, you didn't even know. It's really strange how that yeah. used to work. I'm going to throw in my personal favorite was Kerry Von Erich. Oh, I yeah. loved Kerry Von Erich. Uh, you got if you're from Texas, you better. Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Oh. I lived in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. I lived in Hawaii. My dad was in the Navy at, at that age. You know, like I was 12, 13, and we uh-huh. got everything. We had like the AWA with the the Midnight Rockers. We had WWF with Hogan. We had UWF oh. with like um, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and then the NWA with Flair and the Horsemen. So I got all that stuff. And oh, yeah. Wow. I got to see Jimmy Superfly Snuka live and the 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 Rockers or the Midnight Rockers and then we my dad took me to see Barry Windham and all all that stuff. So uh, somebody out there in some student right now should be doing a case study on the, the business of wrestling over like a twenty year span from say like nineteen eighty to like two thousand. Right. I mean, it's got to be one of the most fascinating, like from a legit business standpoint, how much it changed and evolved and how much it grew and how they went about it is got to be something every industry could probably learn from you're right no i definitely i agree i agree well listen we we know you're a busy guy man we won't take any more of your time but we really appreciate you coming on here and chatting with us tonight yep yeah, yeah, no problem, man. I'm glad I can wear you down with my emails. Yeah, I'm sure Dark Side was <laughs> very persistent. Give me to September. Give me to September. You did, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being so uh, kind to us up at Lakewood. And yeah, uh, absolutely, appreciate man. It. Appreciate that. All right, we'll see you at the races, bud. All right, Weeds. Thanks. All right, guys. Good night. Jason Wygant, ladies and gentlemen, and yeah. with that, quick commercial break. Hey, Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses Shock Socks, the original and number one 10-second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork sills. So, if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork sills, get Shock Socks. Go to ShockSocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. In business since 1989, Broadway Power Sports and Tyler strives to provide a superior product with superior service. From motorcycles to watercraft, their full parts and service department, they can get you taken care of with great brands like Can-Am, Polaris, Yamaha, Suzuki, Sea-Doo, and Victory, 
and don't forget they have firearms too. Broadway Power Sports is your one-stop recreation shop. Broadway Power Sports can match any online price. They can have most orders by the next day for no extra charge. With a friendly staff that offers a personal touch with a smile, how could you go wrong? Call 595-6288 or click broadwaypowersports.com and save. That's 903-595-6288 and tell them Moto Xbod sent you. Dark Side here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com. And that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L. And tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. Hey guys, Muscle Mark here. I want to introduce you to my friends over at York Welding and Fab. From new construction, truck beds, barbecue grills, and anything else you can come up with, York Welding and Fab has you covered. With deep motocross roots and 20 plus years experience, York Welding and Fab is a brand you can put your trust in. Call Carl at 903-780-7369. That's 903-780-7369 and tell him Moto X Pod sent you. All right, guys, welcome back again. Big shout-out, Broadway Power Sports, Tyler, Texas, MX Girl Designs, York Welding and Fab, Shock Socks, PMP Sprockets, All Sport Dynamics, TPJ Racing. We're going to get to our locals-only segment right away. And uh, joining us, he is the host of Big MX Radio, Mr. Brad Gebhardt. Brad, what's up, dude? Hey, thanks for having me on tonight, guys. Uh, and that's an impressive list of sponsors. You guys are growing every single week. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> We just make some up every once in a while too. We throw a couple in there. <laughs> you're gonna be a spot. You're gonna be one of our sponsors one week. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't mind uh, whatsoever. In fact, uh, when I first started doing my podcast, uh, go back to listen to the very first episode. All the ads that were featured in that were just uh, old motocross ads that I liked from the old uh, from the seventies. So uh, threw right. some audio in from those. So oh, uh, cool. yeah, now, now we got real real sponsors, real ads. But uh, humble beginnings, both uh, your show and mine. Good deal. Well, what, what we brought, what we brought you. Hold on, just a second. We clicking still. What we brought you on here for tonight? Hold on, hold on. All right, guys. Sorry, technical difficulties again. All right, Brad. Sorry about that, buddy. Anyways, now what we brought you on here for tonight to discuss was we do a segment called Locals Only, and what we what we like to do is we get people from different parts of the country or the world, and uh, we talk about the local scene, what goes on in their areas, the goods, the bads. Is it is it how's it going? This and that. Why don't you give us a little bit of the breakdown about yours? And where you're hey, from. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's a great segment, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to be, be a part of it. Uh, Manitoba Motocross, uh, of which, uh, of course, the, the, uh, the storied Stephen Mathis uh, was able to collect four Manitoba titles, uh, and which is also four more than I've ever collected and, in my time. But, and almost uh, five. Yeah, absolutely, and it's like uh, that's what most people associate uh, Manitoba Motocross with is Steve's titles. Um, but um, we have a, a ten race series, and it's uh, it's obviously like all series was a, a whole lot busier and bigger uh, throughout the mid two thousands, early two thousands, 
and uh, um, the, the economy hit us just as hard as it did to anybody else. So we've seen a decrease in numbers, but I also think that that's, uh, that's cyclical. I think that uh, a lot of um, kids my age or, or young adults my age uh, at 28 years old who filled up that 80 class uh, back in 2004, 2005, uh, are now uh, looking to go buy themselves a new house, or uh, they've got just different things in mind. So they maybe put motocross on the back burner for a little bit before bringing themselves as well as their kids back to it in a number of years. So uh, I'm not too worried about the the, the, the numbers being down. I think quote uh, our, our highest uh, in the in mid 2000s being about 750 entries for one particular race. Um, and then uh, recently we're, we're we're in around the 350. So uh, okay. we're like a, a big downturn. From, from back then, but uh, um, still a lot of passion at the races, and uh, uh, we do 10-round series, and, and things are doing pretty well. Now, if you could do one thing uh, to, to make those numbers start to go back on, on an upturn, what would it be? Um, I would um, I, I would introduce more riding schools. Our riding schools locally were, uh, were basically – uh, a, a great indicator of how many young, talented riders are going to start coming out to the races. And uh, since uh, about four or five years ago, uh, I wouldn't say they've done away with them. They just haven't been able to squeeze them in uh, to make it worthwhile for instructors to do them. And uh, that's been unfortunate. Um, we haven't seen that. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of uh, people stepping forward and teaching the youth because you'd know as well as I, when when you feel like you're going fast, you feel like your 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 uh, sense of mastery, if you will, is up. You're more willing to do something, and uh, and that's as, as anything from math to motocross. If you feel like you're you're doing well at it, you're going to participate in it more. So I think that more schools would be uh, highly advantageous to any um, any governing body, Manitoba motocross specifically, because we only had one school this year, and if kids aren't getting better, uh, they're going to have to start getting better either practicing on their own or they're doing so on race day, which is, uh, I, I think you guys would, would, uh, would agree with as well. When you're trying to learn on race day, that's either uh, not going to go well or uh, you're going to end up in an ambulance. So uh, from a safety standpoint, it's it, it also rather concerning. So uh, I, I seriously think that um, it's, it's, we're in an interesting time with, uh, with uh, Manitoba Motocross, but more, more schools would definitely help. Now, forgive me, I'm a little, little ignorant on uh... – Canadian ways. Um, so would Manitoba yes. be like a state or a city? Uh, Manitoba is a province. It, it's uh, basically our version of a, of a state. Okay. Uh, it's rather large. Um, the, 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 uh, I kid you not, our, uh, you guys live in Texas. That's a big state. I think sure. you can fit Texas into Manitoba about wow. four times. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, it's quite large. Um, but the majority of our racing happens in the bottom of the province. Um, one of the other things that I think would help Manitoba motocross is that uh, we don't really have a track um, that's race-worthy within 45 minutes of our biggest city, which is Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, which is where most of our riders uh, live. Uh, of course, there's always people from uh, smaller communities that race, and that uh, I think that also takes, brings up about 50% of our uh, uh, our riders. But that they all live somewhere somewhat close to Winnipeg, or about 45 minutes in any direction of Winnipeg. So, uh, like we have our our, our track is going to have a, a national ne- next year with the uh, the Jetworks organization, uh, Pilot Mount a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me, so it's just impractical right. for me to go practice there on a weeknight. Like, I just can't I can't justify driving, uh, get, leaving work at 4 o'clock to get into my truck at 5 to, to be at somewhere by 7.30 
spin some laps until the sun goes down. And uh, like I believe you guys maybe not uh, uh, experience the way we do. Right around now, uh, the the sun starts going down for us around seven, uh, about eight o'clock. So yeah, um, I'd only get thirty minutes of riding in, and uh, it's just it just. Uh, it doesn't make sense. So, I, like for for a track like Pilot Mound, for me, I would have to drive out there on a Saturday, and uh, unless like they're doing a practice, they do a practice before the, the day of the race. But other than that, there there really isn't too many opportunities for me to go out there. So that would be my another uh, like I think that's kind of where you're going as far as yeah. being like uh, like re- related to a state or or uh, like that, that's basically our state series. Okay. It's, it's basically like. Um, a circumference of about a four-hour drive in any direction. Uh, the furthest one being about four hours. The closest one being uh, being about an, uh, about an hour's drive from Winnipeg, which is uh, maybe a track that you might have heard uh, Mappas talk about, which is Grunthal, uh, yeah. Manitoba, oh, yeah. which is my personal favorite track. Uh, it's, uh, it's changed a little bit over the years, but it's still Grunthal, and it's blessed with possibly the the best soil in the province. We have a lot of clay. It's all, uh, they call it Red River Gumbo, if you will. Uh, I think they, they deal a lot with that in um, Minnesota and, and North Dakota. It's very uh, hard, yeah. um, blue groove. Like there's, there's not a lot of traction here when things are dry. But, uh, uh, yeah, that, that place has some great soil. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask, basically, is how many tracks. You definitely made me understand a little better, so I appreciate that. Now, Brad, no now at the races, do you notice, what, what, what do you notice more of? Do you see more 50 guys? Do you see more vet racers? What, what do you, which gates do you notice being the most full? I think we lost him. Brad, go. All right, Brad, go ahead, man. Oh, uh, sorry, we just got cut off there quickly, but uh, what you were getting at was uh, basically what do I see more of, uh, whether it's the 50 kids or it is the vet riders, and uh, I-, I would say that we've been hit in, in all areas, but uh, our youth is where uh, is where we've hit-, hit the hardest, and I think that that's where our, uh, our our sense of mastery that I was talking about earlier really comes into effect, is that, uh, yeah, the vet riders can come back and then ride and to race like they used to, maybe not. You there, Brad? You're going in and out, man. Hey, Brad, you there, buddy? Uh, yeah, uh, you guys hear me? Well, yeah, yeah, you cut. We're cutting in and out. We're cutting in and out. Go ahead. Is that better? Yes. Yes, yes go yes. ahead. Oh, sorry. That, uh, I was trying to use my headset that I used for my recording for that. But uh, um, the reality is is that when you don't have teaching, you, you can't get any better. You can't uh, you can't assist with uh, kids wanting to learn and, and be at the risk. And if they're not going to be competitive, then you have the kids that are less inclined to show up to all the pieces, or sure. they'll only do the ones that they're, that they're good at and stuff like that. And that really hurts the series because um, I want to see a racing series. I don't want to see a campsite next to a cross track where people just, they don't even go to the, the, the results for it. They're not really too concerned with trophies um, because that doesn't push limits. That doesn't uh, create animosity. That doesn't create anything where people are, are, uh, are champing at the bit to get faster. Yeah. What, what, what drives the sport is people being competitive, because when you're competitive, you up the ante. You, you, you go out there and make sure that the um, it's brand new tires on the back of the bike. There's, there's, uh, it's brand new graphics. It's brand new gear. It's brand new uh, engine work. It's, it's, a, it's pistons. It's, it's W wheels. It's, uh, it's going out there and getting some uh, maxima uh, oil in, inside your engine to make sure that it's running tip-top. Um, when you don't, you're not competitive, you're more inclined to use your department store oil or, or getting a few more year, uh, more races out of that tire. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, 
more competitive series are better for the uh, for the overall result, and that, I think that that's uh, um, we're lacking the most. But I would like, if, you, if you go back to your original question of what I've seen most, I see almost full gates in the vet master, vet junior class, which we have. It's kind of like a vet A and B, um, and um, yeah, I think that, that, that's where I see more of. It. I don't see a lot of fifty kids. I don't see a lot of sixty kids because we don't have those those schools that are put in place. So those kids can go to the track and they can learn something and they can put that to use the very next day at the race and say, hey, I'm faster now. Right. And that, that, that's really cool. And I think kids really thrive off that. I know I do. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. You know, and do you see that, do you see some people trying to get involved and maybe change that? Um, I, like Locally, there, there's been a bit of pushback. I know I've suggested it. I think I've, I've tried to come up with some different ideas as to how someone would, would go about uh, creating more for schools and stuff like that. Um, the biggest team, the, the biggest issue is the, the people who are willing to um, the the the, uh, the instructors. They they want they want quite a bit of uh, of money to to compensate for the, for their day. And I think right. that and that's legitimate. I think there just needs to be. Um, although right now there's not a huge effort to getting more schools in. I think what needs to happen is we have like a bit of a fundraiser. Where um, people you know, like can either like I, I call it a bank sale, but um, raise money so that we can we can pay like have these these instructors paid before the. I think we just lost him again. Yeah. Oh well, guys, we'll we'll go ahead and conclude the segment there. No big deal, and uh, we'll we'll take a break and be right back. All right, guys, welcome back. I think we finally got our technical difficulties sorted out, but. Uh, <laughs> Joining us next, he is the uh, Marketing Communications Manager for Yoshimir, Mr. Eric Bartolos. Eric, what's up, man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Going good, man. Also known as Big E Big in the industry. E. Yeah, I think, uh, I think everybody, everybody knows me as Big E, not Eric Bartolos. So. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, first thing I want to start off is by thank, is tell you thank you for giving me and my fiance a tour of your facility while we were out in SoCal. That was really cool of you. I know Cooksey set that up, and uh, we really appreciated it. Uh, it's, it's no problem. We like to uh, show everybody what we do and kind of give everybody a different picture of probably what they they think we do at Yoshimura. So, now, no problem. Big E, how did you get the nickname Big E? Uh, that was actually given to me by a really good friend of mine. We're still best buddies. Uh, back in 1986, he just wow. gave it to me, and it stuck, and... And that's what everybody knows me as. So uh, I just figured, you know what? I could be probably called a lot worse things. So right. <laughs> I'll use it. I'll yeah. use it. Yeah, I, I like it, man. And you, yeah, that's really cool. And um, the facility was just awesome. Like I had no idea how some of that stuff is made, and you know, some of the little secret things you showed me in, uh with the carbon fiber and all that. I, I won't tell everybody, but uh, that that was pretty neat. So <laughs> you kind of just did. Yeah. yeah we, well, no, there was. Like th- like- Go ahead. I was just going to say, like I was showing you when when we did the tour, we try to do as much stuff in house as we can to just keep uh, keep the quality where it needs to be and uh, try to build the best product we can. Absolutely, and and uh, that day that I was there, unfortunately, the race team was out out of at a race. Um, but speaking of the race team, you know, with RCH closing doors and moving over with JGR, how does that affect you guys? How does that affect you personally, and how does that affect the company? Is it just no problem switch over or, or does it really create a lot of obstacles? Well, I think, um, 
uh, I think what it's going to do is at first there's going to be a lot of change for us because, um, you know, we basically have been the factory team for a long time. And even though um, even before we were the factory team, when uh, it was still ran out of our facility. So now it is going to be a big transition to move all the factory parts and, and inventory and all that stuff back to JGR because they're going to, they're going to basically be housing all the, everything. Really. Oh, okay. And uh, so personally, really on, on our side, it doesn't affect us a lot other than, um, you know, the race team that we're a part of is on the other side of the, on the other side of the country. So it, um, it, it really, it really shouldn't be that big of a deal for us. Um, obviously a lot of guys, are uh, you're going to be transitioning or probably looking for a different job because um, I think JGR offered a lot of the guys that work uh, under our race team roof uh, position, but uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to move back. Some sure. guys are, some guys aren't. So um, it's going to be, um, I wish it was as seamless as it's just shipping a bunch of stuff back east, but it's, uh, I think it's going to be a big transition for, uh, for JGR to take on that load. Because yeah. honestly, they're, those guys are going to be, um, they're running a 450 team right now. They're going to take on. They're taking on a whole another team, right? With uh, with the 250, a new, uh, you know, a new transporter, a new truck driver, a new, a whole bunch of new, um, you know, uh, employees. So it, they're basically essentially taking on a whole another team and a whole bunch of infrastructure with it. So we're going to help them through the transition. But um, it's, I wish it was as easy as as, uh, as it should be, but it's not. So. Yeah, I think that part, though, you know, if any team can can deal with something like that, it would be Joe and Coy Gibbs. I mean, with the, the history they have with NASCAR, I, I would think that won't be too big of a deal. Getting people hired, getting trucks. They, they, they probably got a couple trucks sitting out back just ready to go. <laughs> yeah, well, they, I think they actually ordered a brand new. I think they have the, um, I think they have the hotline to Featherlight trailers. So oh, nice. I think uh, they, they've got a brand new uh, rig in the works and everything for uh, – uh, for the 250 team, and I think I want to say they hired Brian, the truck driver for RCH, so they'll kind of be uh, hope he's still in the mix. So right. that'll be good. Cool. So are you, are you guys pretty excited about all this? I think it's going to be good. I mean, there was always um, you know like everybody was like I think Suzuki always wanted a 250 team, but right. it always worked out the last few years that there was a you know we have two 450 teams, so it's like it's very very top heavy in the way. You know, Suzuki wants to do things. It's like, you know, we want to build an amateur team. We want a place for the amateurs to go on a 250 squad. We want to have a place for them to go on the 450. So this is a, I think it's just big picture for Suzuki and us and JGR to, to um, really have a, a stepping, a platform, so to speak. You know. Yeah, and and I don't know if any of this is set. The riders are set in stone yet. I've heard rumors that Kyle Cunningham is going to probably be over there. Yeah, I'm not sure about the um, um, all the all the signings. Um, I think Pike signed up, and um, and I'm hearing something about Vogel as well, yeah. but I'm not positive. Okay. Um, and uh, I think they definitely, I think Nicoletti's definitely still in the mix yeah. as well. But I think they want to give those guys that have been a part of the team and and kind of growing it um, a shot at, at being there. Um, but I also think they. They need to set things up for uh, 2019 to try to try to be in the championship winning position. You know. Well, right. I believe uh, Justin Hill's pot has been rumored to go over there That's too. Right. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be a good addition. Yeah. Real good. Well, and I, I hope they keep uh, Maddie Maddie B Matt Bichelle on because you know he's one of our local guys. As is Cunningham, both Texas guys. So. 
hopefully that team's going to be yeah, really I mean, strong. I think uh, I think um, definitely Matty B is definitely a, he's he's a definitely if he's healthy he's great. But I, um, definitely shout out to Cunningham, man. That guy is just a he is such a workhorse, dude. No like doubt. that guy is. I mean, to pop top tens off like he's like he's capable of doing and has done this year, it's like I just think that's amazing because. He is. I mean, he's. I remember he turned pro right when Dungey did. So he's as old as Dungey is, and that guy is seriously still. I mean, if he's on good equipment, he's good still. You know. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. We uh we're near uh, Tyler, Texas, and we have a big pro challenge every year where some of those guys. You know, we've had Kennard and Wyndham and. Robbie Raynard come out every year. It's a big pro person. Cunningham uh, comes in there and handles business. Yeah, good. The last couple of years, he's cleaned house. He's a good dude. He's a no good doubt. Guy. No doubt. So, you know, what? what is the uh, focus for Yosh for 2018? I mean, I know there's always new R&D, the, the new dual exhaust Honda's coming out. You guys have been working on that. But you also have the road racing teams. How do you guys decide, like, how much budget, how much work goes into each product? Well, I think that's handled, you know, when, when the product's being developed. You know, like it's, um, you know, we, we like just to speak to what we're going to look at it for 18. I mean, it's one of the things that um, I think we're going to be handing. I mean, the 2018 CRF 250 is going to be a big, a big task for us to um, not only obviously we'll probably be the first ones to have something for that bike, but, but to keep up with it. Cause it, it's basically two exhaust systems. Right. Know? Yeah. True dual. So, yeah. So, I mean, for us, it's going to be, you know, um, the canisters on those bikes aren't that easy to make, you know, and so you have to, and they're only, they only work on Honda CRS. So you're building a canister and tooling and everything for one bike. So it's a, it's a very unique process, but we have a very tight relationship with Honda and we're a, a, a very strong partner with them and have been for since 2005. So um, it's very important for us to, to make sure that, um, not only we handle the race team stuff, but on um, the aftermarket side, produce a product that, um, you know, that, that, that supports their product, you know. So um, definitely I'd say for 18, the CRF 250 and, and same thing with the CRF 450 are going to be obviously two big, strong things that we need to take care of. And, and same thing with the new RMZ 450. But like you said, on the, on the, um, on the road race side, it's, uh, it's going to be a big, big thing for us. We're, we're right on the verge of winning a championship in Moto America for the Superbike class. And that's gigantic. Is, uh, it's a brand-new bike with, with unproven anything on it. And those guys went out this year to, to really, um, just without any data or anything, and just started laying it down. It was just amazing. So, you know, our, our, our road race team is one of the if, is one of the, if not the most winning road race teams um, ever in the history of AMA racing. Wow. And we, we haven't, we haven't won a championship since 2009. So it's been a long dry spell, but the GSXR has been long in the tooth. And that's, I don't think that's any secret to anybody. And, you know, they came out with a new bike and, and Tony Elias and, and Roger Hayden have just been riding the heck out of that thing. And so that's going to, you know, 2018, this, this is going to be a big year for us to, to really celebrate the success of that bike and, you know, all the products that go on the, the Suzuki GSXR as well. So, um, I know this isn't a road race, obviously, um, uh, podcast that you guys are talking on, but, you know, for us, I think it's really interesting because, you know, when I started working for Yoshimura, it's really interesting that, you know, there's no other brand in the U S that walks the line between dirt and street 
like Yoshimura does, and I think probably in Europe it's probably comparable to what Akrapovic does, you know? You know, yeah. either either you're on the dirt side or you're on the street side here, you know? And I think Yoshimura does a great job of, of walking both lines very successfully, and I think it's just a, a testimony to our product, you know? Agreed. You mentioned a Suzuki bike being long in a tooth. I'm not familiar with that at all would have never guessed yeah. Yeah, right. i'm a yeah, suzuki well, lover too man i've just i had to make a joke about that but yeah it was, it's, a, it's a hard thing because you know in 2010 they're one of the only oe manufacturers that did not make 2010 models they went right to from 09 to to 11 so they uh they stopped developing stuff for you know long range for i, I don't think it was because the economy or whatever but you know they're they're back they've got a lot of new stuff coming down the pipe and i'm hearing you know, maybe 2019 is the year for a new RMZ 250. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, there's a lot of new stuff coming down the pipe for Suzuki. Unfortunately, it was, it's been a long time coming. You know. Well, I tell you what, they really did. There wasn't a really big need to change. They were so good in their current form. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I just bought a 2012 RMZ 450. I mean, it's 2017. I still think the bike is great. You know. Yeah. No, it is great. I mean, look at. Look what Ken Roxon did on that thing last year. You yeah, know? right. Oh, here's this old RMD. Everybody complains about it, and the bike still can win championships, no problem. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think all these bikes are pretty damn good to begin with, and so you know, you put a top top rider on it like Roxon, and yeah, why? You know, he can win on a TM probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. But yeah, <laughs> that might be exaggerating a little too much, yeah. huh? No, Suzuki's always been a great manufacturer, and uh, I feel like when they get it right, they don't have to change it, you know? Yeah, and I think they they were just, you know, to speak to, like, maybe the RMZ 450, that bike would be really good. If they would have just maybe through the years cosmetically changed it, it would have helped the bike a lot, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and while I was out there, I had mentioned to you that I had just gotten a, a 2015 CRF 450, and... I had asked you about, you know, I was going to probably change it over to single exhaust, and you told me that Yoast does not even offer it in that format. And why don't you explain to the people that listen to us why that is, what the, what Yoast's theory on that was. Well, um, there's really two things. One, um, we believe that the, um, the bike was designed to perform with a dual exhaust. Um, not only the motor, but the chassis was designed around that. And that's especially the case with the, the 17, 18 CRF 450, as well as the new 250 that's coming down the pipe. So the reason why um, with the exhaust, a lot, um, I would say a lot similar to maybe, it's a kind of a different aspect, but the, the, if you look at the Yamaha YZ250 and 450, the exhaust pipe is almost part of the subframe of that bike. So if you change that configuration, it's going to change the handling characteristics and everything of that bike. Right. And so the same, same thing with the, the CRF450, that bike was designed around having two mufflers and, and structurally having that. And so when you start changing that, it changes the riding characteristics and uh, as well as the, the power delivery on the bike. So it was designed to, to have those, those dual mufflers on the back. And, you know, whether you like it or not, that, that, that's the way that, that bike's designed. So we, we just want to follow, you know, the, the engineering of that bike and and follow what the you know the, the the honda race team wants to use and that's that's dual exhaust and that's because that bike was designed to, to have that on there does that answer your question yeah yeah and i the one of the reasons i brought that up i thought that was really cool i, I think that kind of shows some integrity with yosh that the fact you could just 
develop a single-sided exhaust system and sell it to the public, but you don't feel like that's the, the way to go, you know, for performance. So you do, you know, something that you, and you probably would sell more because of the price difference. I mean, I know somebody like me that's on a budget. I went to a single-sided exhaust. It was actually given to me by my co-host, Mark, but, you know, a dual exhaust is expensive. But you guys didn't yeah. you didn't ch- waver in your beliefs on performance, and you stuck with what you believe, and that may cost you some sales, but you did what you thought was right, and that's pretty impressive. Well, you know, at the end of the day for Yoshimura, um, and as long as I've been there, it's always been about performance. As we're looking at different materials or gauging something or the way something has a slip fit or whatever, it's about performance at the end of the day, and we want, you know, if a customer pays $10,000 for a motorcycle, sure, our exhaust is a little bit more expensive. And I showed you why about, you know, our refurbishing process, yep. too, and how our product's actually being it's able to be serviced by the consumer and stuff like that. So, you know, there's that. And if you're paying $10,000 nowadays for a motorcycle, it's $9,000, you know, you want to put the best possible equipment on it. And so that's where Yosha's always come from. Since 1954, when Pop started this company, it's always been about not mass producing this or mass producing that but about trying to make the best possible um exhaust or or accessory that you could probably you know have and there's a lot of things that we don't do or we don't make because we say you know what that's not going to be good it's going to be too expensive for the customer or it's not going to work right so let's just not do it at all so that's just our philosophy with you know there's a lot of things that we could probably do and sell but at the end of the day like you said, it's about our integrity and making sure that at the end of the day, when that, that person has his bike for a year or two years or whatever it is, um, he's as stoked that day when he goes riding that next time is the day he bought the thing. Right. So that's, that's our whole, you know, there, there's just big picture involved when, when we're developing something and, and as we're designing it and, and manufacturing it. Well, I'm a big fan of the, uh, quality versus quantity, you know, uh, theory and I, I i very much respect that i appreciate that and then like i was saying like when you're out at the shop it's you know our stuff is designed to be serviced so you know when a customer you know has an issue with our product or wants to get repacked or crashes they can send that product back and we we actually have components and parts to rebuild that and we'll send it back to them he'll be blown away by like the look they'll, they'll be like yep. we've had so many calls people going you sent me the wrong exhaust this is the mine it's like <laughs> no it's it's yours. We fixed it. <laughs> you, I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know you guys did that. That's I've never heard anybody doing that. Yeah, well, nobody else can do it because that's the way our stuff is built to be serviced. And we have a special um, refurbishment uh, room that actually does that. So, you know, if, you, if you're if you out and you crash on your $1,000 titanium system or whatever, you can um, you can send that thing back and depending on what's wrong with it, we can we can replace it for a fraction of the cost of buying a new one. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to need some exhaust for this RMT yeah. I just got. So, I believe yeah. you'll be hearing from me soon. <laughs> Perfect, man. Yeah, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, while I was out there, you showed me a canister that I don't remember. It, it might have been Pikes or somebody had tore one up that was in to be refurbished. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a refurbishment table. Yeah. It's, it's not that much either. Like, we don't charge the consumer retail on any of our products. We just want to get the guy back out there on his bike. So, it's um, depending what's wrong with it. If it just needs a repack, it's probably around a two to four day turnaround. And if it needs components, it depends on how much work it needs. But it's not that big of a deal as far as um, you know the consumer, the rider ships his stuff back, and we uh, evaluate it. 
and we basically send them a quote. This is how much it's going to cost. Do you want to fix it? And they say yes or no, and we fix it, or we send it back to them. So, um, but there's a pretty quick turnaround time to it. It's not like you're waiting months or something for your exhaust. Right. Yeah, that's that's impressive. And I told you when I when I was out there that I'll be ordering one soon too. Again, I'm on a budget, like most of us yeah, are. Right so. On. So I think it, I think that's just a, a big thing that one of the big things that makes us different from the other brands out there is you can do that with us and we're totally um, that's one of the things that we built our reputation on. They're they're you know our exhausts are built to last and they're built to be serviced. Absolutely. Well, hey, Big E, thanks again for coming on tonight, man. I know you're busy. We won't, we can't we won't take any more of your time. But what what an awesome conversation this has been, and I'm looking forward to uh, getting a Yoshimura uh, exhaust system on my bike. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. And um, anytime, just let me know if you um, – I don't know if I, you want me to have you back on. I probably ruined everything on your circuit board <laughs> there. Not at all, man. But uh, anytime, you guys, anytime. No, we'd love to have you yeah. back on, bud, anytime. Awesome. Thanks, well, man. Hey, uh, I just want to give a shout-out to everybody down there in Houston and uh, down in that way. And, man, just uh, keep up the, the prayers and thoughts to those guys because, man, they're just uh, – they just uh, obviously everybody, you guys know, they just got pummeled. And, man, there's a – my mom lives down in Florida. There's a Category 5 heading to Florida. So keep those uh, people yep. in Florida in your prayers, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, have a good night, bud. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Eric Barr told us Yoshimura Racing. Big E. That was awesome. That was, I could yeah. probably sit there and talk to that guy all night. Yeah, you need him. You know, if you get to go out there to the Vet Nationals or anything this year with me, maybe we can make a drive over. And, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah, because it, it's definitely a lot of fun. It's it's just it's interesting. I mean, you know, him and little little D were just both both very friendly and Kurt, you know, showed showed us around. It's really cool and just good people in our industry, man. That's all there is to it. Absolutely. Well, I, I enjoy getting to talk to them week in and week out, and look forward to, to a long, you know, many more years of doing this and uh, getting to know those folks. And, uh, man, good show tonight, guys. Yeah, man, Again. it was fun. I mean, a little bit of technical difficulty, but, hey, no, no big deal. Hey, we're just going to leave it in there like that. We're not going <laughs> to edit it out. You get what you get this week. I think yeah. everybody here is coming down with the, the, the allergy crap due to the seasonal changing, you know, changes, I mean. and uh, But, hey. We, we did our best, right? Uh, it was good, man. It was good stuff. Well, hey, again, big thank you, Broadway Power Sports, Tyler, Texas, MX Girl Designs, York Welding Fab, Shock Socks, PMP Sprockets, All Sport Dynamics. Guys, don't forget about the, the, the wrist brace giveaway we've got coming. Send us your goon riding picks. When, uh, once that giveaway's done, we'll have an awesome uh, tailgate grill to give away from York Welding and Fab. Yeah, that thing's sick. If you've looked at our social media... If you haven't, go look because we've got that grill posted on there. And yeah. he's going to add a custom number plate to it. Yep. For, for whoever, wins, whoever it, wins it, it'll put your number on there and it, it'll be legit. So yeah, we can stay re- tuned. Repost that. So yeah, we need to figure out how we're going to give that away. And don't forget about the All Sport Dynamics giveaway. Yeah. Well, once we're done with the wrist braces, we'll get to the yeah. other. Two more weeks on that, guys. Get your pictures in. Go Good riding. riding picks. And don't just send us your regular picks. We'll know. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> so, all right all right guys again thank you to everybody involved james thanks for sitting in here even though you screwed the whole fucking thing Shut up, up. <laughs> but, yeah the uh, technical difficulty turned out to be his phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no nah, man dark side appreciate it man yeah. hey moto x pod show see you next week